This morning we are going to be looking at a question of legalism. And uh, I'll be using that word a little bit, I guess. And if you're looking in your notes, you'll see it's one and two. So I figured as we begin today looking at uh, this passage from Luke chapter 6, uh, that it might be good to define a term or two before we get in. Because what we're, what we're going to see is an interaction between Jesus and some Pharisees in two different situations that Luke has put back to back, dealing with questions of work on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath law, well, even in the Word, the Sabbath law comes from uh, the Ten Commandments and then is also further fleshed out in Exodus and Leviticus of what the Jewish people were permitted to do on the Sabbath day. And a focus on, specifically in this context, not working on the Sabbath day. And what had happened by Jesus' time, I think I mentioned it last week, that the Pharisees started out well. They were, they were righteous, they were uh, God-fearing, defenders of the faith, defenders of Judaism, uh, against the Greeks and against all outside influences. And, and, and they were, they were the, the, the first line of defense, you might say, for the Jewish people. But over hundreds of years, what had started out good had become very rigid. It, it's not very different than in our own history in the 20s of the, the 20th century, in the 1920s, fundamentalism was a good thing. It, it was a cutting-edge thing. There was a, a movement in the church that was destroying everything that had been held on to over the centuries. The, the view that Scripture could be trusted and believed. The idea that there were certain things in faith that we had to believe in Jesus. And so a, a group of people arose saying, no, we've got to stick to the fundamentals of the faith. And they were fundamentalists. And that was a good thing. But then fundamentalists became rigid and harsh. And all of a sudden, it's no longer a good thing to be a fundamentalist, and people might actually use it as a slur against you. You're just a fundamentalist. Same thing is currently happening with the term evangelical. Evangelical. Evangelical is based on the word evangelism, to share the good news. And yet... Uh, and and it, it basically took over once fundamentalism f fell out of favor. and A focus on sharing the gospel and a focus on reaching the lost. Churches became evangelical churches. But here lately, evangelicalism is falling out of favor. It's no longer viewed in a good light. Now evangelicalism stands for people who are stuck in their ways, who are rigid, who don't have any love for others. Isn't that a a rare and crazy idea when you consider what it means to share the good news. But this is what happens. This is what happens. What starts out good, oftentimes, over time, can become rigid. And I think the same thing happens with us as people. It is very easy as we get older to become legalistic. It is very easy as we become more righteous in following God and, and ridding our lives of sin and having His Holy Spirit rid our lives of sin, I think it becomes very easy for us to become 
legalistic. And, and so I, I owe you a definition for that term because I've used it and I said I was going to define it for you. And so when we're talking about legalism, we're talking about an excessive adherence to law or formula. Within uh, a faith idea, it's dependence on moral law rather than faith. And so what I'm using it to, and what I mean by it's very easy for us to get into that, is when you're new in the faith, you've just come to faith, it's such a joyful thing, and everything's new, and you're probably 99% messed up, and the person that you've gotten right is you've believed in Jesus Christ. But as you walk with Christ, you learn that our speech needs to be holy. Our thoughts need to be holy. And as we spend more time with Him, we want to become more like Him. We walk in the light. We put away the things of darkness. We put away the ways of the world. We've, we grow more and more in Christ's likeness. And as you do, the world will start looking a lot darker. The, the, the more you're in the light, the darker the darkness is. And as we do that, we can forget where we once were. And as we do that, we can hold it a little bit harsher on people that aren't as good as we are. And that's how we can end up getting into legalism. Now, what I'm going to propose here, some people would say, and and, and one of the, the great arguments is that the opposite of legalism, and Jesus is definitely against legalism, but he is not what is called an antinomian. And that might be a term you hear quite often. Uh, antinomianism is against the law or no law. It comes from the Greek word anti, which means against, and uh, nomos or, or the law, namos. That is the idea of the rejection of laws, the rejection of rules. Some people who read there is now no law for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no, uh, <clears throat> I'm not thinking the right word there, Huh? Condemnation. Thank you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They'll say, ah, there's no law. That's not the case. See, Jesus isn't contrary to law. Jesus isn't against law. Jesus doesn't do away with the law. Jesus fulfills the law. Jesus completes the law. And Jesus calls us to what I would call a higher law and a higher way of living. And it's harder to live according to Jesus' law than just to move into legalism with human laws that we have. And so what we're going to do is we are going to look at, uh, in this passage, how Jesus deals with issues and questions of the Mosaic law in their lives and how that applies to us as well. And the the first thing we're going to see as we start going into this is this idea of legalism. You might have heard me say something like it turns people, you know, that that fundamentalists became rigid and evangelicals became rigid. And there is a a lot of truth to that. Because legalism leads to an inflexibility that does not allow for nuance. Uh, It does not allow for the circumstances people are in to say anything to us. And and that's what we're going to see in this first section, is that legalism leads to an inflexibility, an an inability to react and to acknowledge that there might be circumstances where things need to give just a tad. And so we're going to to see this in chapter 6, 
uh, beginning in verse 1, just the first five verses for the first story that we deal with. Uh, Verse 1 tells us, Now it happened that he, meaning Jesus, was passing through some grain fields on a Sabbath. And his disciples were picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, and eating the grain, which was permitted. If you were walking through a field uh, in, in Israel, it was expected that you could glean from that field. You could, you could just pull the, the grain off. You, you would rub it in your hands to separate it, to, to, to expose the grain that was edible. And then you would eat it and you would throw away the chaff. In fact, the, the Mosaic Law required the owners of a field to allow people to walk through their field. If they were just going through, they could take what they needed for that moment. And especially the corners of their field were never to be harvested by the owner of the field. It was supposed to be left there for sojourners and for travelers and for the poor. So, so they were doing something that was perfectly acceptable and normal. Nobody was accusing them of um, stealing or um, trespassing. This was accepted and normal. The problem is, as we will see in verse 2, uh, but some of the Pharisees said, why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Why are you doing that which is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now here's, here's the thing. Plucking the grain was harvesting. Rubbing it between their hands, as it says, was milling or threshing. Uh, threshing more, not milling so much. Threshing. And then they were eating. So, so they were harvesting and threshing, which was work. And, and the Pharisees had taken the, the very clear speech, uh, language in, in the Old Testament, which was, you shall not work on the Sabbath. You weren't even allowed to light a fire on the Sabbath, which on a day like today, you kind of wonder, must have gotten kind of cold if it was pretty cold in the wintertime. But the idea here is to, to eat. You were supposed to make enough food the day before that you could live on the Sabbath. That's why when, the, when God provided the manna, He provided a double portion on Friday so that they could get through Saturday and then they would recollect again on, on Sunday. But the Pharisees had taken certain commandments like do not work and they had, they had come up with all sorts of rules about what, what does work look like and what could be part of work. These Pharisees are seeing the disciples. Now they're, they're walking and they were allowed to go a certain distance. They're hungry, so they're eating. But the Pharisees are looking at them saying, well, you're, you're working because you're harvesting and you're threshing. And that's not lawful. That's not right. That's not good. Why? Why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And here's a funny question just to ask the Pharisees if you ever get a chance why didn't they try to stone them to death? Because you know what? In in the Levitical law, um, if somebody broke the Sabbath, they were supposed to be killed. Now, they're not going that far, are they? They're just quibbling over law, what's right and what's wrong. So, uh, and it's actually, it's in Exodus 35 too, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Whoever does not, whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Exodus 35 too. So they're just quibbling. They're not trying to put them to death like the law commanded them to do. 
In verse 3, Jesus answers them. And Jesus answering them said, Have you not even read what David did when he was hungry? That there was a time in David's life when he was hungry. He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God and took and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for any to eat except the priests alone. This is something that David had done. And, and notice the, the Pharisee said, why is it you're doing something that, which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? David is, or Jesus is coming back with, you know, David once did something that was not lawful on, in, in his life. When, he, when David was fleeing from Saul, he and his companions, they got to where the priests were, and, and he was out of food, he had no weapons, And here's the thing about the story about what David does. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, David actually lies to the priest. David says, I'm on a mission. Saul sent me on a mission, and I was in such haste to go on the mission for Saul, I left without any food. Do you have anything for me to eat? Not only that, I left without any weapons. After after he gets the food, he says, "I, I left without any weapons. Do you have any weapons that I could use? And he, and he is given Goliath's sword that was placed there in, in, in worship of God because of David's victory. He lied about what he was doing. And, and because of his lie, the, the, the priest says, you know, we don't have any bread except for the consecrated which only the priests can eat. See, part of, part of all the, the worship at the tabernacle there was a table of the presence of the Lord, and on it they would put 12 cakes of bread, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, representing the, the, the tribes, the nation. Those, those cakes were to be placed out there every Sabbath. The priests had a specific recipe. They baked it. They placed it out there every Sabbath. And when they put new bread out, they took the old bread off, and the priests ate that. That was for the, the priests to eat in in Leviticus 24, verses 5-9, through 9, it talks about how uh, it was to be eaten by the priest in a holy place when removed the following Sabbath. And so that's the only bread they have, is the bread that is there in front of the altar for God. And David says, that's good enough for me. Give it to me, I'll eat it. So he ate the bread, which is not lawful for to eat except for the priests. And even the priests, they're supposed to eat it in a holy place. They're not supposed to, to take it and run down the street. We don't know if David was doing this on a Sabbath when they were putting new bread out. Maybe he took the bread that was there and they had to replace it in the middle of the week. A lot of Sabbath breaking going on in that regardless. David did that though. He took it, he ate it, and verse 4 concludes, and he gave it to his companions. So so Jesus is asking the Pharisees, don't you know about this story? About what David did? And and what Jesus' point is, is that there are circumstances that come up that will cause us to behave differently. That bread was only for the priests, and yet because of David's hunger, David's need, the priests gave it to him. And David took it. And David was the consecrated to be the, the next king of Israel. And God never seems to rebuke him for doing this. In the same way, Jesus is looking at his disciples as they're going through the field, and he says, look, they are not doing work. They are eating because they are hungry. And that is a necessity. 
It's, it's a different idea than a person who actually goes out to the field to plant or to harvest or to weed on a Sabbath. That's different. He says they're just plucking and eating. That's not really what... The idea that, that is that that's not what was intended by this law. It wasn't meaning to cause people to go hungry and to starve. That's not God's purpose. The purpose of it was to help us rest from our normal work so that we would focus our, our minds and our hearts on God. But the Pharisees, they had taken it to such a degree that they would rather people starve than, than break the Sabbath. And so Jesus, he, he concludes in verse 5, He was saying to them after all this, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Like they, they just don't even understand how ridiculous it is that they are complaining to Him about what His disciples are doing. That, that Jesus has authority over the Sabbath. And by saying the Son of Man, He is touching a hot-button issue with them because that, that phrase is a messianic title. Everybody understood that, that the Son of Man was the Messiah to come. In fact, He is described in Daniel 7, verses 13-14, Uh, Daniel describes in his visions one like a son of man. To him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Does that sound like anybody to you? Does that sound like somebody Isaiah tells us about? Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor? Does that sound like Jesus, the one who will sit on David's throne for eternity? Jesus is saying, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I have sovereignty over this Sabbath. In Mark, Jesus goes one further and He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He wants these Pharisees to understand. And in fact, in Matthew, He says to them in, re- in regards to this story, He said, have you not heard, I desire compassion not sacrifice. Jesus is saying there is a higher law than Sabbath observation. And and we have to be wise enough to recognize the difference. But legalism causes us not to see any difference. It's just, no, you can't do anything on the Sabbath. Never. You must do only this. You must do only that. But Jesus says, no, these men are hungry. David was hungry. This happens. Now, Jesus isn't saying the Sabbath doesn't apply. Jesus isn't saying, he's not even going so far as to explain to them how twisted they have taken their laws. He is just saying, you've got to understand that there are circumstances and there are ways of living that do not violate the Sabbath. Now, if Peter were to get on a boat and go fishing... He'd be violating the Sabbath. But he's just walking through a field and he's eating a little bit of grain. Not violating the Sabbath. And even if they were, Jesus is there. <laughs> he is Lord of the Sabbath. He, he's the one that can tell you whether or not something is right or wrong. One of the, the problems that we see in this is these Pharisees, they're just focused on are they doing right or wrong? They're not worried about are people hungry. They're not worried about are people faint. They're not worried about how people are living. 
And, and that's one of the, the struggles about legalism. Legalism gets, we, we get to the point where we don't see the people anymore. We just see the rules. And we follow on the rules and we, we focus on the rules. Uh, I remember when, when we first came here, uh, you know, I, I had taught kids in, in my first church that I pastored. We walked through the church building. We walk. We treat this building with respect, you know, because we don't want to offend other people. We don't want to offend the older members. And I wanted them to realize and, and, and see it indifferently. It wasn't a playground. And then we, we came here. And kids are running around all over the place. <laughs> because, as I understood it, it was Jerry's opinion that he would rather be happy in church than feel like they were always getting told what to do and what not to do. Well, that was hard for me to accept because I was coming a little bit more from the law, the legal, don't run in church, treat it with respect. This is God's house. But there was more of a focus here of look at the children. They're children. They're going to act like children. Let them act like children so that they can be happy here and that they will equate being here with good feelings, not bad. That's, that's a, a, a small little modern uh, way of struggling with that legalism. The, the one says, oh, you've got to not run. Behave. Be quiet. Sit there. And the other one says, no, look at them. They're just children. Letting them be children does not do dishonor to God. If anything, it might do greater honor to God. Because he doesn't care about the building and he doesn't care about the carpet. He cares about the people. The problem with legalism is that legalism does not set people free. You know, the, 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 the spirit of grace when I came here was a spirit that said... Let the kids be free to be kids. Let them, be, let them run around if they do. You know, granted, you open up the f- possibility for the kids to freely hurt themselves by falling and hitting their head against a pew, but that's, that's you know, very minor. Legalism does not set people free. And, and this is why legalism is so difficult and so, so terrible for Christians, because Christianity is about setting people free. Jesus Christ set us free. He came to give us life. And legalism binds us in rules and laws and, and, and things that don't allow us to flourish. Things that don't allow us to grow in Him. We're, we see in, in, as, as Luke continues his story in verse 6, he tells us, on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And there was a man there whose right hand was withered. It literally was as if it had dried up. You know, if, you, if you can think about your hand and it's got you know, muscle and it's got skin and it's got veins with blood and it's got water in it. And if you just took all that water out and the blood and just your hand just withered up. That's, that's the image of this man's hand. He is, his hand is withered. There's nothing there. Verse 7 tells us the scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely. They are, they are uh, very close and they are watching him intently for the purpose of to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find reason to accuse him. Now, now here is something. They don't have any problem with him teaching on the Sabbath. 
In fact, in, in other gospel accounts of the, uh, the eating of the grain, Jesus points out that the, the, the priests work on the Sabbath all the time. They regularly break the Sabbath if the Sabbath says you shall not work because the priests regularly work. They offer daily sacrifices. They light fires. They work as part of their work. They have no problem with Jesus working as far as a teacher to teach them on the Sabbath from Scripture. But they're watching Him intently. They're they're staying very close to Him to see if He heals on the Sabbath because they're looking for a reason to accuse Him. So just look at where their heart is. Their hearts are, are wicked and in a bad place, looking for how can we catch Him. And they're setting Him up. There's a, there's a good possibility they knew the man would be there or they even had Him come there. There, there are passages where they actually place a person in front of Jesus waiting to see, is He going to heal? And, and Jesus, verse 8, we are told that, uh, but he knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And I love this. The, the guy got up and came forward. The language is exact. Like he, What Jesus said, the man did. There's obedience there. Get up, come forward. He got up and came forward. And, and Jesus uh, said, to the, said to them, the scribes and the Pharisees, I ask you, is it lawful to do good? There's that word again, lawful. What is it lawful to do on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to destroy it? See, the the legalism, what they are waiting for, they are looking at Him and watching Him intently because they are waiting for Him to heal, which they feel is against the Sabbath. That is work. One of the other gospel uh, accounts of this story, one of the fair, one of the the synagogue leaders says, "Hey, you got six days to get healed. Come and get healed on one of those days. Don't get healed on the Sabbath." I mean, they were really. You want to talk about some messed up thinking? They took it to an absurd degree, and that's what Jesus is pointing out. What what is lawful to do? Is it lawful to do good or to do harm? on the Sabbath, to save a life or destroy it. And and notice, Jesus' view is is that if I do not heal, if I withhold the healing I can give this person at this time, that is evil. If I withhold this healing, I am destroying his life. I am not saving him. Proverbs tell us, do not uh, withhold the good that you can do from the one that you can do it for. Do not withhold doing it if it is in your power to do it. So Jesus is saying, is it, is it right? Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To do evil. And, and that word, to do harm, is literally to do evil. Is it, is it lawful to save a life or to destroy it? 
Verse 10 tells us, after looking around at them all, so obviously they do not answer him. This is very similar to, is it, is it lawful to give sacrifice or, or to give um, taxes to Caesar? Jesus asks them, whose face is on it? There are so many times when they will come to Jesus and ask him questions, and he'll ask a question back that they don't answer. You know, who, where did John's, um, where, where was John's authority from? Was it from heaven or not? There are so many times that Jesus catches them in this because they're unwilling to take a stand. They're not willing to, they're not willing to say, no, it is lawful to do harm. They know that's wrong, but they also are unwilling to say it is lawful to do good because they know that means he will he will heal. You would hope that they would recognize in themselves the position we are taking is the one that is harmful. The position we are taking is the one that would leave this man enslaved to to his problem. It's not setting him free. But after looking around at them, Jesus said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. And again, that we see this man's obedience. You know, Jesus said, come up, come o- get over, stand up, come over here. He stood up, came over. Jesus said, stretch out your hand, and he did it. And when he stretched out his hand, it was restored. And that should have caused people to be happy for that man. That should have caused some, some joy. But in verse 11 we read, they themselves were filled with rage. They they were fully filled to the limit with rage. And that word rage, it means literally to have no mind. Sometimes it talks about people being just so silly. That they, they are so foolish, they have no mind. But in this case, they are filled with rage. They are, they, are, they are driven to anger to the point where they are unthinking in their anger. They are just full of rage. And they discuss together what they might do to Jesus. Now, that, that's an interesting thing because Jesus said, what's lawful, to do good or to do evil? And now they get off to discuss what they might do to Jesus. And let me ask you, do you think they're discussing good things they might do to Jesus? No. Because they're trying to find a reason to accuse him. And, and here's a problem because of his question, they can't even accuse him here because they're unwilling to answer him. So now they're just plotting what can we do to this person? who does not follow our rules, who lives outside of our rules. And now Jesus is not living outside of God's rules. Jesus is not disobeying the Sabbath. Jesus is fulfilling the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath, but also recognizing a higher law. Love God. Love your neighbors as yourselves. How can He love His neighbor and leave Him crippled? And if there's a day to be saved... Wouldn't the Sabbath be the greatest day of seven? Isn't there... What, why, why is... No, wait until Monday. Wait until the weekdays to be saved. No. If there's a great day to be saved, it would be the day of the Lord. If there's a great day to be healed, it would be the day of the Lord to, to see His work and His power. But that's not the way they think. 
There, there are so many ways that uh, we can get ourselves into that legalism where we think, no, the right thing to do is, is you need to obey these rules. You know, I've, I've read so many different circumstances of them, and, and, and we have a lot of them ourselves. You know, uh, I was raised, you took your hat off when you went inside. It was respect. You go to church, you take your hat off. I remember reading a story about some uh, high school boys that were going to church wearing ball caps back in the 90s. Church was getting upset about these guys showing up in church with ball caps. And, and, you know, they would rather the boys not show up at church than to show up at church wearing ball caps. Now, I understand the desire, hey, why don't they just take their hats off? They're being disrespectful to the house of God. But when it came to a blow-up in the church, one of the mothers of the sons said, these guys are on the high school baseball team. They're playing late at night on a Saturday night. We're lucky to get them to show up at church on Sunday morning. They're waking up, they're putting on some clothes, and they're throwing their ball caps on their heads because they haven't had time to get, you know, we're, we're rousing them out and dragging them to church every Sunday. And they're putting the ball cap on because their hair is a mess. Isn't it better for them to be at church? Even if they're wearing a ball cap? And that was an issue a church had to struggle with. And we would probably have to struggle with it somewhat, wouldn't we? If you got, if you got the mindset of it's disrespectful, and yet what's better? To them or to bring them to church? the circumstances those are the needs for nuance that that legalism as we get as we get further along in our faith as we get more rigid and the darkness of the world gets darker as the light that we are in gets brighter those are the things we don't have time for we 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 harden our hearts about I want to show you though that what I think you know we have this focus on law and like I said earlier, Jesus isn't nullifying the law. He's not saying, oh, it doesn't matter. He's not, he's not advocating a, a, an, an attitude of no laws, just freedom. But Jesus, Jesus advocates a higher law. And I would say that the, the highest law for us that we need to focus on, the, the, the most important law, is Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. Notice in verse 5 what He said. He was saying to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I, I think if, if there is one law we need to make sure we focus on above all others, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord takes us to love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. It also, if, if we focus on Jesus as Lord, it enables us to deal with the nuances of life. In the book of Acts, when uh, the Greeks and the Romans became believers and the Holy Spirit came upon them, that was contrary to what the New Testament church understood, what the Jewish believers could understood. And, and they actually responded when, when Peter said, look, God sent me, He showed me a vision, this happened, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The believers honestly said, oh, well, I guess the Holy Spirit's coming to the Gentiles too now. You know, they were dumbfounded. 
But because Jesus is Lord, and Jesus was doing something that went against what they understood, they were able to adjust. Later on, when Paul was advocating that you didn't have to be circumcised to be a believer, which went against Scripture, he said, look, the Gentiles are coming to faith. They don't need to be circumcised to become believers. They're already believers. Circumcision doesn't matter. Being cut on your flesh doesn't change things. It's the circumcision on the heart that matters. And the church, because Jesus is Lord, was able to adjust and accept this radical new idea. It, it didn't do away with the law. It took it to a higher plane. It said, hey, it's, it's more than just a, a ceremonial cutting. It's a heart change that really matters. And there are many things in our lives that, that we can say, oh, that, that goes against Scripture in this way or that way. But it doesn't go against Jesus is Lord Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and if we get down to it, we'll discover it really doesn't go against Scripture. It just goes against our entrenched understanding of Scripture. But if we come at it from an attitude of Jesus as Lord is what matters. If we take a step back when we're confronted with things we don't like, things that look wrong from our standpoint, like the Pharisees. I say, what's really going on here? How do we fulfill the higher call to love our enemies, to love our neighbors, to love God, and that the gospel of grace sets people free? Maybe we look at those that are eating on the Sabbath or healing on the Sabbath just a little bit differently. That's Jesus's higher law in effect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we recognize, Lord, that, that uh, we're fallible. It seems crazy that as we grow in, in faith, as we grow closer to You, as we grow more righteous in our lives, that we could become also harder in our hearts toward those who need You the most. To those who need grace and mercy in their lives. And yet it's very easy for us to do. So we pray, Lord, we ask that You would forgive us for those times that our hearts do get hard toward our neighbors. We ask the Father for forgiveness for those times that we do make up laws and rules that end up going against the grace that You have shown us the freedom we have in Christ, the love that You have for the lost. We pray, Lord, that we would not approach it with a desire to just throw out old rules, but, Lord, that we would interpret them through Your Son. That we would look at them in light of the fact that Jesus is Lord. We pray, Lord, that You would help us to be people of grace, not law. And that we would focus on faith, on trusting in You in our lives today, Lord. We pray, Father, that You would help us as a church to be a place where rules don't dictate, 
but love and grace and seeking Jesus do. We ask and pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.